Good morning once again. We are in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 to 23 which is a wonderfully rich passage which I, I'm not confident I can remotely do justice to but let's at least touch upon it this morning because I, I don't think that we the modern Christian I don't think we spend half enough time thinking about God in his own right who he is and what he's like and and uh, I think this passages like this are a, a wonderful corrective. So verse 15, he, speaking of the Son, this is all speaking about Jesus, he, the Son, the eternal Son, is the image of the invisible God. He is the reflector of God. He, he makes God known. He's the revealer. He's the, as the writer to the Hebrew says, he's the outshining radiance of God. Uh, without question, God is the, the, the ultimate mystery. He's incomprehensible. He, he exceeds our ability to, to understand. He is, to use an expression I'm fond of, he is utterly other to everything we know because we live in a world of things that begin and end and God <laughs> he has no beginning and he has no end and he I'm made up of bits and parts uh, God is without parts he's one beautiful indivisible eternal essence of of mind-boggling perfection <laughs> he Whatever beauty you or I will ever encounter is, is only like a, a faint symbol of what God is or who God is. Because I think all of creation to some, all of creation to some extent images him. It it's, it's, uh, gives us pointers and signposts and clues. And of course, the ultimate revelation came to us in the Son of God when, when God became human in the person of Jesus. God is glorious. Paul goes on talking about the Son. He says, He is the firstborn over all creation. The Son eternally proceeds from the Father, beginninglessly and endlessly. He is prior to creation and He is supreme over all verse 16 for by him by the son all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth all things any created thing was created by the son so whether things visible and invisible paul says whether thrones or, or dominions or principalities or, or powers. He's talking about exalted angelic hierarchies, uh, which as we read on in Colossians, we find that they had a very unhealthy interest in, in Colossae, that, that there were some heretical teachings that Paul is combating in this book, in this letter. Paul says, all things were created through him and I love this, and for him. You and I were created for his pleasure. God has an eternal plan 
for you and for me and it comes about us being in relationship with this firstborn this amazing son all things were created through him and for him and and paul says and he is before all things he paul talks a lot about things here god is not a thing everything else is a thing and it says and in him all things consist not only is it through the sun that things have their being they continue to have their being because he's expending his power and will that they should continue he holds us in existence what 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 sort of sum is this as a a, a little deviation here they they crudely estimate now really really crudely estimate that there is something like one billion trillion stars in the obs the observable universe that's just the bit of the, the universe we can see through our telescopes uh, and we we keep discovering more which is a, quite astonishing so one billion trillion stars now that's just too many noughts for me to do anything with uh, to, to give you some idea they say that there's more stars in the cosmos than all the grains of sand you'll find on all the seashores on on this planet so so not only is there an unquantifiable incredible quantity of stars and and uh, the largest known star in the universe is is now i don't know how to pronounce this is uy scuti sorry to any experts who might be listening to this it's called a hypergiant this star it has a radius around 1700 times it's 1700 times larger than our own sun that's just one sun and then on top of that between each of these stars there it, there are unimaginable distances so you get the picture we, we've got a vast vast seemingly endless creation and then then we read this in psalm 113 verse 4 to 6 yahweh that's the lord our god yahweh is high above all nations his glory is is above the heavens who is like Yahweh our God? Good question. Who dwells on high? <laughs> Who stoops down to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? I tried to give us some glimmer of uh, insight into the, the size and magnitude of creation and yet our God is who dwells so on high. He is so transcendent, so exalted. It says he has to stoop down to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. A bit like when you have a, a small child and you want to talk to it, talk to him or her. Uh, you, you get down on bended knee and you come down to their level. You stoop down. God has to stoop down, as it were, to, to even engage with, with this what to us is vast creation that blesses me coming back to our text here verse 18 
talking about the Son, and he is the head of the body, the church, the assembly of God's people. He's the head of the body. That means we've been brought into an organic union with, with the God-man. We've been brought into an organic union with Almighty God. How, how great is that? Paul says about the head, who is the beginning? He is the fount. He is the source. Paul says he is the firstborn, not just of creation. He is the firstborn from the dead. That's the recreation. Paul says that in all things he may have the preeminence. And I guess that's the point of the thoughts I'm uh, communicating this morning. Our God, the Son, he has the preeminence. And let, let that be true. Christ is central to everything. He's the theme song of eternity. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father. Again, isn't that great? For it pleased the Father that in him, in the Son, all the fullness should dwell. What does Paul mean? What is he referring to? For it pleased the Father that in him, in the Son, all the fullness should dwell. He's talking about, and he uses this Greek word for fullness, which I like. It's the word pleroma. It was worth putting in your pocket and keeping that one. The pleroma of deity dwelt in a son. The disciples who, who walked with him in the way and, and spent those three, three and a half years with him, they walked in communion with God in the flesh. This transcendent God walked the earth as a human being. He came for us, fully man and fully God, two natures yet combined in one unique person. One nature, weak and limited like our own, that could suffer, that could feel tired, that could feel hungry. The other nature, sustaining the entire creation and existence from one moment to the next, even as he hung on the cross. When, when God became a man, he, he took this unrepeatable un step. He, he actually married himself to creation. And in specific priority, he, he married himself to the human race. It says, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that, that he, sent, he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus didn't come to save us from God. Don't think that. Jesus didn't come to save us from a God who was out to get us. It was God who came in Christ to save us from our sin. Verse 20, to confirm that, and it says, And by him and by the Son, God was to reconcile all things, there got things again, all things to himself, by him, by the Son, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. The cross of Christ brings healing to my life, to your life, and one day to the whole of creation. It remains then, does it not, for us 
if we haven't already done so. And in fact, it's something we go on doing throughout our life, isn't it? It remains then for us to turn in repentance from all the distractions, from all our idols, from anything that could take us away from him and be reconciled to God. Because on his side of the relationship, there are no longer any barriers because he has made peace with us through the blood of of the cross. If there are any barriers remaining that prevent us being in wonderful union together, it comes from our side of the relationship. Repentance is us turning to God because in Christ he's already turned to us. C.S. Lewis makes this very brave observation. He's, he's, He's now with the Lord, a wonderful Christian thinker. He says that the doors of hell are locked on the inside. Think about that. Verse 21, and you who once were alienated, so far away, you were alienated and enemies in your mind by by wicked works. We use softer language nowadays. We talk about us being broken or having faults. Uh, Wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you and me holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight so he goes on if and we need to notice the ifs if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which i paul became a minister we are, let me say it, eternally safe in the sun. We may be a weak and faltering believer. We, we, we may forever be stumbling and having to come back and say, Lord, forgive me. He receives us. I am eternally safe in the sun. But it's if Paul says, if indeed you continue in the faith, let's not be deceived. If we walk away, if we deliberately turn our backs we walk outside of of that 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 security and that certainty and it behoves us does it not having just read some of these things and tried to explore them together it surely behoves us to to not just remain in him but to revel in him and be eternally and increasingly grateful to him and to invest our best endeavours in in searching him out and getting to know him more through devotional exercises such as prayer and study of God's holy word and and in the circumstances of life fully trusting him putting him first him who is so spectacular if I can't say it spectacularly worthy of our devotion amen <laughs>